Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Tonight, we, um, we're especially excited to have a uh, special guest speaker in Alyssa Oliver, who is a powerhouse for the Lord. She was over at our house uh, recently and and I had I literally had to get a notebook out because of all the fire like you know stuff she was saying. <laughs> it's like every other word. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a whole sermon series. Hold on, just a second. Can you run that back one more time? Anyway, uh, this is a, a woman of God who has lived a life abandoned to His will and to His call, and she's going to share a little bit tonight about her testimony and also a word that's on her heart. Um, and uh, and she's proof positive that. Um, the Lord speaks, and you can hear His voice. That He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and um, and and if you'll follow Him and trust Him, and you'll step out in faith and pursue it, um, you can walk in it. And so we appreciate her boldness and her courage in living a life out loud for the kingdom of God. And uh, so all the way from California, can you get uh, put your hands together for Alyssa? She comes to minister to us tonight. <laughs> Hey guys, I was a little nervous you weren't going to see me over this, or it works, <laughs> okay, okay, so we're going to be reading from three places today, so if you have your Bibles or your phones, whatever you're going to use, it's going to be Deuteronomy 9, Isaiah 9, and 1 John chapter 1, but while you're looking for that, I'm realizing that I really only know about half of you. So for the only half, I'm just going to unstranger us really quick. So I grew up in California, born and raised. I come from a pretty tight-knit family. There's actually some of them here, if you know. Everybody wave it, Patty and John. My aunt, uncle. Okay, so I come from a family, four kids. I'm the second oldest. There's, But really, we're, we're all practically the same age because there's only four and a half years between all four of us. (laughs) I know. So built-in friends my whole life, and that was awesome. Um, Let's see what else. I grew up in a Christian home, but at the same time saw a lot of the world, which I know that's a pretty common story even here in this room. But what's neat about that is that when those two worlds collide... You get to see things like a meth addict in your family who's emotionally unavailable encounter the one true living God, and he's not that way anymore. And you get to see a long line of super independent women who are bound by worry and enablers, and they encounter the one true living God. And I've watched that chain get broken off of my bloodline. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? Okay, so a couple more things. Um, I kind of lean more creative. I'm sort of a free spirit, and I just kind of, I just float places, and I need people in my life that keep me grounded, and even the Lord is that way. I come to Jesus all the time, and I'm like, look at all these great ideas I have, and he's like, they're not that great. Just not do any of them, (laughs) and he also puts people in my life like Patty and John to tell me, no, let's don't do anything you think of. So 
and I'm thankful for that. But um, yeah, I've, I've worked in, so I'm creative, but I also have worked in business about seven years now. So give me a spreadsheet and a legal document. We're going to have a good time. And let's see what else. Um, I, I laugh very loud. It scares me sometimes and often children. <laughs> There's nothing better than you just like laughing at kids like, good Lord, what just happened? And I'm like, joy the Lord, can't control it, what am I going to say? But what's really neat about that, though, is that I actually was delivered from such a spirit of depression and anger. So it is quite literally a ha-ha to the enemy. So there's that. Okay, so everyone, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 3. <clears throat> I'm going to read it. You can read along if you want, but we're going to go lightning fast. So Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 3. Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you, so you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord has promised you. Now Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And this will be our, our main verse that we're going to focus on tonight. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Okay, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we yield to you tonight. We give you our minds our understanding, our hearts. Jesus, you are good, and I pray that you would reveal yourself to us tonight. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that our, that our eyes might be enlightened so that we would know you, Jesus. We need you. Jesus, my king and my friend, we need you. You are good, you are always good, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I was privileged to be able to go home for the holidays um, this Christmas. I also went home for every other excuse that I could think of. <laughs> and uh, while I was there, though, for Christmas, I, really weird. I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, but I woke up almost every single night in the middle of the night, and I couldn't figure out where I was for, like, an alarming amount of time. Like, it wasn't, like, like oh, quick, and, oh, I'm home. No, it was, like, a minute. I don't know where I'm at right now. <laughs> and so I sat there for a while, and then eventually I figured it out. But because it was so dark, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out where I was. And it got me thinking, man, how, and light is so important, right? And I'm not even, right now I'm just talking realistically. I'm not even talking spiritually. Without light, there's fear, there's confusion, there's frustration, vulnerability to attacks, anxiety. I'm not even talking spiritually. That's just realistically. Without light, you have those things. So when I think of the word light, 
because I'm, I'm pretty visual. What pops into my mind is just a picture of a light bulb, like that, right? Most of us, probably. When we think of light, we think of light bulbs. But during the time scripture was written, for an ancient Israelite or Gentile, when you ask them, what, what do you picture when you think of light? They would say fire. They didn't have light bulbs. They had fire, right? That was their main source of light in a dark place. So for that reason, I'm going to use the words light and fire interchangeably tonight because they're going to mean the same thing for this message. The title of this message is God is fire. He is light. And I want to talk tonight about how God brings the light, but he is the light. He brings the fire, but he is the fire and what that means for us. So let's do a quick sum up of how the word of God talks about God in his fire. So in the Old Testament, Daniel had a vision about the throne room of God. He sees the throne room of God where God dwells. And what does he say about it? He describes the throne being on fire and there being a stream of fire coming out from it. Then in Ezekiel, he had a vision also of the throne room, and he sees a man on the throne, and he says, the man is on fire. Then in Isaiah, he had a vision of the throne room, and he sees these creatures called seraphim, which is literally translated burning ones. And they're circling the throne room, the the throne of God. They're circling God. And they're declaring to each other the holiness and the glory of God. And then John has a vision of the throne room and revelation. And he sees fire all around him in the form of lampstands. Or, I mean, it, would, it wouldn't be these. It would be fire. And then he sees Jesus and says his eyes are fire. Okay, so let's put it all together. The man is on fire. His eyes are on fire. There's fire coming out of his throne. The throne is on fire, and he is surrounded by beings who are also on fire. That that is a lot of fire. That's a lot of fire. So according to 1 John, what we just read, you cannot claim to know him and yet walk in the darkness. Put it this way. You cannot claim to walk with the man on fire and not be on fire. Biblically, the only acceptable temperature for a believer of God is red hot. I've realized that it's something in the church, you hear people talk, when they talk about someone that's on fire for God, and they talk about it like it's a rare thing. You know, like, man, that guy's on fire. Have you heard his message? He's fire, fire, fire. Right? So it's crazy. Yeah, he's on fire. But when you read God's word, on fire is God's only expectation for a believer of God. He said, when you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. That is how serious this is. So I read this a couple months ago about lukewarmness. The lukewarm are spiritually self-satisfied. I'm not talking about someone that's, that's living out in the world. I'm talking about people who, who claim to be Christians. The lukewarm are self-satisfied. No need for Jesus. No desire which produces action towards Jesus. No fire, no desperation. And to find out whether or not you are among that number, to find out whether you are among the lukewarm, don't ask in your head whether or not you're a sinner. 
No, no, no. How you find out whether or not you're lukewarm is to look at your prayer life. Your prayer life. The thing about lukewarmness is that you can be near the fire and think you are fine. When you're just near the fire, it makes you warm and it makes you comfortable. But when you're in the fire, oh, it burns your flesh. If the Holy Spirit is not offending your flesh, then you're not close enough. A lukewarm Christian is one who strives for comfortability with Jesus. I can't fast. It gives me a headache. I can't go to church. I'm too busy. i got things. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that. That might threaten my happiness, my pleasure. I can't pray for that long because I'd have to wake up early. Or stay up late. Tomorrow night we're having a prayer meeting all night long. The Christian that strives for comfort will never be on fire. They may stay near the fire and they will benefit from it. But they will never get in because it makes them uncomfortable. And for a lukewarm Christian, comfort has become their authority. Tells them what to do. Tells them what not to do. And it has become their God. So what's the solution to a lukewarm Christian? It's not you trying harder. You just get close to the man on fire. <laughs> it seems fake. It's so simple. Get close to the man on fire. We're from California, and everything's on fire there. And you know, did you know that the things that start on fire the easiest are the one things that are really dry? They're really dry. Oh, they catch quick. You're really dry. Get close to the man on fire. Let his eyes of fire look at you. A few months ago, I was um, sitting down to, I woke up early because my time with Jesus is non-negotiable. If I don't do it, I'm a jerk. So every single morning I wake up because everything I do from that, from that day just flows from that place. I wake up and grab my Bible, sit down, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, no, put your Bible down. I don't want you to read that today. And I was like, that is the voice of the enemy, and I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And then I kind of, you know, listened. I was like, no, 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 that's not the Holy Spirit. So I waited, and he said, I don't want you to read your Bible today because you are turning it into a duty. Turning it to a job, and that's not relationship. He said, I want you for the rest of the morning just to sit and let me look at you. That made me very uncomfortable, but I did it. And as I let him look at me, things started coming out. Things started being exposed. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to come into your dark. He wants to dwell in the things that you do in the dark. He wants to dwell in the things that you do in secret. He wants that secret 
place to become your secret place with him. He wants that dark place to become the light place. The place of of open testimony. I used to do this in the dark, but now it's in the light. I'm saved. I'm different. I'm changed. He wants to dwell in your dark. And once you're in the fire, once it catches on you, just like Paul tells Timothy, fan that flame. Fan that flame. As you fan the flame of that light that was placed in you by God, what happens? It consumes. We read in Deuteronomy that he is an all-consuming fire. And in Malachi, a few other places, God's described as a refining fire. As you stir up the fire, there within you grows a desire to know him. I've noticed if I'm, if I'm super busy and I haven't had like solid time with the Lord, I kind of start losing that hunger. I kind of start losing that like desire. But when I get in, when I force myself to get in, that hunger grows. That fire grows. It gets bigger and I have this, this new desire that overtakes everything to get closer to him. So how do you stir up the fire? Number one, pray. Pray. Oh, the secret to any good relationship is what? It's communication. Pray. Talk to him. Tell him things. Let him tell you things. What else? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Oh, it says out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit is just like water. He finds the deepest places first. And now I'm mixing metaphors, and there's like five of you that's like, is he water, is he fire? I don't know. But um, let's get back to fire. Okay, so you spend time worshiping. Man, the, the, best, mm, the best thing to do for someone who is experiencing anxiety is to worship God for his authority. Best thing to do for someone who's struggling with sadness, oh, worship him for his joy. Just look at, look at him. Focus on him. Get your mind on him. Get your attention on him. And watch it transform everything. What else? Spend time in conversation. Get friends, believers who challenge you. You know those, you know those Christians who are so full of the Holy Spirit that when you're around them, you're like not even sure if you're saved. And you're like kind of like saying the prayer of salvation just in case. You're like, there, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. Just in case, you know. <laughs> Get people like that that challenge your complacency. And you know what? You might have to lose some friends. When I was 16 years old, I had this group of friends, and I loved them. I love friends. I love people. And I had this group of friends, and they just started going downhill. It was like overnight. I started doing stuff, sleeping around, partying, getting, getting involved in all this stuff. And, and, I mean, it's kind of a long story, so I won't get into all of it. But God basically gave me a choice. It's me or them. And it was a hard choice. And I said, God, I want you. And that night, he refilled me with the Holy Spirit, and I lost those friends. Actually didn't have friends my age for two years. The rest of high school, I was best friends with my principal. And we would go to breakfast, and I tutored her child. <laughs> it was great. But, but what I did is I clung to people who were where I wanted to be. And it, and it didn't matter. A lot of them were my mom's friends. 
A lot of them were people that weren't even my age, but they challenged me. They taught me how to pray. They taught me how to seek his face. And still to this day, I text them this week and said, hey, prayer warriors, I need some prayer. I'm preaching. And you know what? I trust them because they challenge me. Some of them are pushing 70. They, it, might, it might not be your type of people, but do they challenge you? Do they, do they move you? Get around those people. What else? Dedicate days to fasting and feasting on God's presence. Man, you want your flesh to burn. That's the quickest way. It'll die quick. You start denying things and saying, no, no, no. Instead of that, I want Jesus. Instead of that, I, I want his word. And that last thing, his word. It says his word is what? A lamp unto my feet. A lamp is fire. It's fire. His word will transform you. And ask, ask God, how do you want me to fan this flame? Don't copy methods of people down the road. Don't do the easy thing. I actually was reading, I don't have this in notes, but this is interesting. I was reading this week that in kind of more uneducated areas, I guess, and I don't mean that in a mean way, it's just like people, people who do not have much education, you find more superstition, more like knock on wood, throw the salt behind your shoulder kind of thing. But in educated areas, they have superstitions too, but they're in the form of method and systems. Both are trying to manipulate the future instead of just surrendering it to God. Go to God, inquire of him. How do you want me to, to worship you? How do you want me to fan this flame, God? He'll tell you. And as you fuel the fire, you will begin to notice things burnt up in you. Things that you used to struggle with, burnt. Thoughts that used to torment you. One day you'll wake up and they won't be there anymore. Things that used to weigh you down and worry you, gone. Gone. Insecurities keeping you back, burnt up. Just gone. Just by getting close to the fire. And when you fan that flame, when you allow God's fire to consume you, you become pliable. Like metal in a fire, you become shapeable. What used to be unmovable, what you used to be stubborn about, you get close to him and, oh, God, whatever you want. So recently I was reading Revelation, and I noticed, I've read this a million times, but this time it really stood out to me, the description of heaven, which you, you guys probably have heard it, gates of, of pearls, streets of gold, there's rubies covering the gates and precious stones, a sea of crystals surrounding the throne. And I was reading this and I was like, why? <laughs> why? Why all these riches, you know? Because I know when, when I get into heaven, I'm just going to be running to Jesus. He's the only thing that matters. He's the only thing I care about. So why all of these things here? So I was talking to Brooklyn and she I was telling her, yeah, I just have this question. And she's like, you know what? I read this in a book and blah, blah, blah. And so we kind of came to this conclusion. If you look at all of these building materials, the common denominator 
is that they're found in hidden places and they're pure. And I believe it is because God values the hidden things, the pure things over everything. And when you allow his fire in, it will expose and it will purify and it will refine the most important things about you. The things he values most, the hidden things. He desires a pure heart and his fire creates a pure heart. But purity, and I want all of us to really get this, purity is not perfection. It's not. Purity is walking with your struggles in the light. It's walking with your struggles in the light. It's, it's not tolerating impurities once, God, once God's light exposes them to you, but it's taking those struggles, those things that you're afraid to tell people about, and you're putting them in the light. That is purity. That is purity. It is living without mixture. It's not living a double life. I, I did the double life for three years. When I was 20 years old, I walked away from Jesus and everything about me was a lie. And you know what, thinking back, actually when I was preparing this, I was thinking back, I wouldn't have done that if I would have just been open with my struggles. If I would have just, just gotten in the light. I would have just said, hey, I'm struggling with this. I don't know what to do. So how do you become someone pure and without mixture? As you walk with God, there will be invitations to lay things down and to step into new things. As you accept those invitations, that is the purification process, but it doesn't all happen at once. I would like it to. <laughs> but it doesn't. It's a, it's a life with Jesus. Every day you live is a response to his holiness and his fire. Every day is an invitation to respond to him. And when Jesus exposes things and invites you to lay them down at his altar, where fire falls, are you quick to respond? Are you quick to repent? Are you quick to course correct? Are you quick to confess to God and to others? Because the Bible says that you are to confess your sins to God and to one another and you will be healed. There are times when God invites you to offer a sacrifice onto his altar where the fire is because that sacrifice always invites fire. But there are also times when God allows his fire to come to you. What does that look like? That might look like waiting. It might look like hiddenness. And for those who are in that right now, your waiting is not a curse. The Bible says that those who wait on the Lord will what? Renew their strength, right? If you can receive it, it's a gift. He's strengthening you 
for what's coming. He's not picking on you. He's not dangling things in front of you. He's not teasing you. He's strengthening you. He's hiding you away so that you can grow. He's making you wait because he loves you. And because he wants to teach you things. Because he wants to prepare you. Your wait's not a curse. The fire he brings might also look like stepping into something that scares you. Trust sometimes feels like a free fall. And us control freaks, we want to hold on to at least a rope, something. <laughs> Please give me something, God. I want to control it. That's not trust, though. Trust is letting go. What's that kind of cheesy saying? Let go and let God. It's really true, though. It's really true. When you step into something that scares you, you have to lean on him. And you stop leaning on yourself. And that purifies us. His fire might feel like burning. It might feel like embarrassment or exposure. His fire that's purifying you might look like the opposite of what you thought it would look like. It might look like you denying your will for his. Ohio was not the plan for me, you guys. <laughs> it wasn't. But it's better. It's so much better. It's so much better to just, just trust him. To follow him. His fire might also be in the form, mm, and this is, this is where I really wanted to land. It might be in the form of intimacy with him and with others. So the Lord has been bringing me on a journey of intimacy my whole life. <laughs> and it's really hard. Um, right now we're kind of working on physical touch. I don't, I don't feel real comfortable with that. I don't hate it, but it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me scared. It makes me scared. And I know for sure that he's challenged me in this area because I moved in with my two cousins who will just come up to me and be like, can I have a hug? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. His intimacy is good. So a couple years ago when he was really working on me in this area and the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, Alyssa, you got to let me in. You got to let other people in. And you know that saying where they say, don't be an island? Like basically like, don't be, don't be lonely. My response to that is, what if I like my island and it's nice and I want to stay there? <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, it's not going to work. So he came to me and he said, you got to let people in. You got to let me in. And I told him why I didn't want to. And I said, Jesus, if I let you in, and if I let others in, they might hurt me. They might leave. They might abandon. They might disappoint. And you know what he said to me? He said, well, Alyssa... 
I loved you and I gave you everything and I exposed my heart to you knowing you were going to hurt me. He said, I gave myself to my disciples knowing they were going to leave me. It wasn't a maybe. They were going to hurt him. He loved me knowing I was going to hurt him. And that is his requirement for us. What we just read is earlier is, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's what happens. When we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the Psalms, David talks about how God knitted him together in his mother's womb, his body together in his mother's womb. That is the only way a body can work well, is being closely knitted together. And we are what? We're the body of Christ, yeah? We don't work if we are keeping people at arm's length. John 17, one of the few recordings of Jesus praying, he literally says, the world will know that I am real, not by he doesn't even say, he doesn't say miracles. He doesn't say power. He, did, he says by unity, by unity. Paul talks about, war, he warns the church about divisions. You hear divisions and you might think, oh, bitterness and arguments, whatever. No, 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 no. It's, it's also your fear of intimacy. When you keep people away, that is hindering the gospel. That's hindering his move of the spirit. When you keep him away, it hinders things. So, yeah, I'm running out of time. The music wants to come. So you guys can stand up. That's all. Let's all stand. So through the process of the fire... Everything fleshly and temporary is burnt away to reveal what God has poured into your heart. There are things hidden in you that need to be revealed. In, I think it's Mark 5, there's a story about a demoniac, a man who is filled with thousands of, of demons. He was possessed with thousands of demons. And Jesus shows up on the shore and he runs to Jesus. And he was so bad that nobody can keep him chained. He would cut himself. It was terrible. He runs to Jesus. Jesus delivers him. Demons gone. The man sitting at the feet of Jesus, the, the town comes and they're scared of Jesus. So they tell him to go. And the man tells Jesus, I want to come with you. Take me with you. I want to go with you. I want to go where you go. And Jesus tells him, no. I need you to stay, go home, and tell them all the Lord has done for you. And he does. And it says that he goes to the Decapolis, which that word means 10 cities. So he goes to these 10 cities, and he brings revival. 
the Bible says they were amazed at all the Lord had done for them. You know what's really crazy about this story is that that guy probably thought that the attack of the enemy was about him. He probably thought it just had to do with him. But what he didn't see is that it had to do with the revival for 10 cities that God had put in him. You might think that the attack of the enemy and your struggles are just about you, but they're about what God has hidden in you. Ephesians says that the Lord has placed his inheritance in the saints. It's in you. It's hidden in you. And when that man encountered, when that demoniac encountered the man on fire, what happened? That thing was revealed. His purpose, the revival for 10 cities was revealed. When you encounter the man on fire, what's hidden in you is revealed. Let's everyone close your eyes. God is purifying you. Child of God, he is purifying you. It's not your responsibility to purify you. Just get close to the man on fire. It is not your job to perfect you. Just get close to the man on fire. <laughs> It is not your job to exalt you. Just get close to the man on fire. And as you let him touch you, as you let him speak to you and teach you, as you surrender things to him, as you trust him and as you allow him to use you, Day by day, he is doing the purifying work. Just keep the fan, the, the, the fire fanned. Get close to the man on fire and let his light expose you. These altars are open, everyone. Let's come. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.